It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Good morning, America. I'm Jay Christian Adams in this morning for Sandy Rios on American Family Radio. So great to have you here with us on what is a beautiful day in much of the country. Hope it is where you are. I'm the president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation, the nation's only law firm dedicated to election integrity exclusively. Also, I've mentioned in the past, I'm also a commissioner on the United States Commission on Civil Rights. President Trump appointed me to that. I'm, I'm not supposed to prominently feature that, so I always list it second. We're, we're not allowed to prominently feature that we're on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, just a little internal rule, apparently. But it's great to be here with you today. And the, wow, I, I owe you all a big apology. A big apology. Those of you who were listening to me guest hosting for Sandy yesterday We did most of the show about the testimony of Cassidy Hutchinson. Remember the the 25-year-old aide to Mark Meadows who apparently allegedly had blockbuster testimony, if you were watching MSNBC last night, which I did so you don't have to. Watching MSNBC last night, Cassidy Hutchinson is elevated uh, to the likes of Frederick Douglass or George Washington or, or General Patton. You would have thought that Cassidy Hutchinson uh, was on the front lines at, at the Battle of Trenton, this great defender of the Republic. So those of you who weren't listening yesterday or weren't watching MSNBC, quick recap, Cassidy Hutchinson was an aide to Mark Meadows. And if you open up the Washington Post today, you'll learn that Cassidy Hutchinson testified that President Trump tried to grab the steering wheel. Uh, to steer the limousine to the Capitol to lead the charge against the House and Senate and a variety of other things that uh, were said by the president or all the president's aides. Well, I owe you all an apology because I missed something, partially, of course, because the media did not report it, and I didn't sit through every word of the testimony. But I owe you an apology because apparently every single blockbuster that Cassidy Hutchinson delivered this week to the January 6th committee was hearsay. Hearsay. In other words, she didn't witness these things. She heard about it. Now, that possibility never entered my mind because I would have never dreamed that the committee would put up a witness whose evidence was all built on secondhand accounts. Like, I know these people are sloppy, but I didn't think they were that sloppy. I didn't think that they would allow hearsay to drive a narrative. Now, for those of you who were not cursed to go to law school like I was, quick recap, hearsay means that you were testifying about what somebody else told you happened. In other words, you didn't see it yourself, but somebody told you that that happened. Sometimes we call this gossip, right? That's another word for hearsay, gossip. So apparently this great hero of the Republic who testified what President Trump did on January 6th wasn't there. What a mistake I made yesterday. I apologize to all of you for not doing what you're expecting of Christian Adams, the guest host, who's a lawyer, and pointing out the obvious that this was hearsay testimony. And shame on MSNBC and CNN and all of the other outlets treating this as some serious thing 
And by the way, that extends to some conservative outlets that she testified to a pile of gossip. And that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate to drag our republic through this. And we're going to have more about, there's a lot more sordid aspects of this testimony we'll get to. I want to hear from you today at 1 589 8840. 1 589 8840. I'm Jay Christian Adams in for Sandy Rios on American Family Radio. So the Supreme Court is not done yet. I want to tell you guys about something to be on the lookout for today. The Supreme Court still has a very, very, very big case. Frankly, it's almost as big as the Dobbs decision. And it's probably going to come out very shortly. And here's how it goes. It involves coal. You know that marvelous black mineral that that exists in gigantic quantities under American soil, right? That fueled the Industrial Revolution, that led to the transformation of civilization because of the ability to harness the energy of coal and drive railroads from coast to coast and build factories and steel and machinery and all these great developments of the 19th and 20th century. Won a war. One defeated Hitler. Oh yes, I'm saying it. Coal helped defeat Hitler because America had coal in giant abundance. And if you've ever been to the steel mills in the Mon Valley in Pennsylvania and visited the Carnegie Works or any of the monstrous steel mills that Andrew Carnegie developed along the Mon Valley, you know that the steel pouring out of those mills became tanks and battleships and guns and all of the weaponry used to defeat one of the greatest evils that ever existed on the face of the earth. Coal helped do it because America had it in blessed abundance. Well, along comes Barack Obama. And like so much else about American greatness, he didn't like it. And so Barack Obama, through the EPA, issued a bunch of edicts. They called them regulations, but same thing. And these edicts imposed requirements and rules and restrictions on coal and the use of coal that Congress never passed. That Congress never passed that the people's representatives never enacted into law. And that really sums up the runaway state of the last 50 years, doesn't it? See why this is a big deal? So guess what? West Virginia steps up and sues and says, you can't enact edicts. This is America. That if you're going to tell us that we can't use coal to generate cheap, clean power and electricity for people, then you have to pass a law. You have to pass a law if you're going to do this. You can't just have a bunch of bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. come up with an edict. Notice how often when I guest host for Sandy, we always get back to the Washington, D.C. bureaucrats who are causing trouble. (laughs) It always seems to come back there. So that's exactly what happened with Barack Obama, is these bureaucrats wrote edicts that effectively brought the end of the use of cheap, clean coal. So we're going to have a Supreme Court decision where the state of West Virginia, which I have so many great things to say about, go visit West Virginia, beautiful, people are friendly. They said, we're going to the court and we're going to ask the court to invalidate these edicts. Because in America, you can't just issue edicts. You have to actually pass laws. The Supreme Court is going to decide at any moment whether America is a country where bureaucrats can just pass edicts or whether or not Congress needs to pass a law. Are we a country like ancient England where the exchequer could issue edicts or Soviet Russia 
Or are we the country our founders laid out? And that's a country that must pass a law before government could exercise power. Oh, and it must be a valid law, one based in the Constitution. And folks, I think if you're listening, you understand how the issue that's going to be decided before the Supreme Court is as fundamental to the country as the issue decided earlier last week in the Dobbs case. What kind of country are we? Have we lost our way? So please pay attention to this next Supreme Court opinion, because I'm telling you, it's not just about coal. It's about what kind of country we are. And hopefully we'll have someone on uh, shortly in the next couple of days who's very familiar with this particular case. I'm Jay Christian Adams. I'd like to hear from you at one 589 8840 What kind of country are we? Does it matter? Does it matter what kind of country we are? You know, after all, there's lots of places in the world where they just issue edicts. Like in China, the Communist Party tells the businesses what to do. All those businesses that com- companies like Microsoft and Google are so interrelated with now. You wonder where Google got the ability to censor information. It's because that's what they had to learn how to do to get into China. They didn't just sort of like accidentally start censoring conservative news. They developed the skill set when they tried to get into China. And the Chinese government said, you can only come here if you limit the ability of our people to read the truth. Well, they didn't quite put it that way, but you know what I mean. So all of these big American tech companies cut their chops on China. You want to come to China, Microsoft? Then you need to develop the ability to spy on your customers. That's my view. Because Microsoft seems very obsessed with spying on its customers. They seem very, very obsessed about like listening to you. Like Cortana, here, let me hear what's going on in your house. Or can we please send your personal data to Seattle so we can make our product better? I I see that a lot in Microsoft Windows. Remember the good old days? You would get like the disk, the CD-ROM, and you'd put it in your computer and load up Windows, and that would be the end of it? You wouldn't have Microsoft tinkering inside your machine, fooling with the microphone settings, like, by the way, they do every time you update. Oh, we've learned that at American Family Radio. Every time Microsoft updates your programs, they're fooling with the microphone settings. All because, in my view, they wanted to sell software in Beijing. That's just what I think. What do you think? one 888 We're going to get deep into this Cassidy Hutchinson nonsense. I gave you guys the big apology. I'm so sorry that I did not realize her testimony was all hearsay. I should have told you all that yesterday. Should have told you that yesterday. But I apparently, because nobody was reporting it as hearsay, I had to dig into an article at the Washington Times today to discover that it was all hearsay. Thank you, Washington Times editorial board, for pointing that out. Want to hear from you, 589, I'm sorry, 188-589-8840. I'm Jay Christian Adams. We're going to be back after this break, and we're going to take your calls, and we're going to talk about the so-called blockbuster witness at the J6 committee, Cassidy Hutchinson, who told you all sorts of things, and turns out she didn't see any of it. We're also going to explore the relationship with her lawyer. We touched on that yesterday, but some things have come to light overnight about who's paying for this lawyer. Is she paying for it? All that and more. I'm Jay Christian Adams. I'm in for Sandy Rios on American Family Radio. Up next with your calls.
This is Bible League International. Thank God your pastor wasn't attacked on Sunday, but it happened to Pastor Nepo recently while preaching in Burundi, Africa. Twenty radicals dragged him down the aisle to the front lawn where they beat him nearly to death because he's been faithfully sharing the gospel with Muslims and nearly 200 have come to Christ in his village where Christians are attacked daily. Anyone who comes to Jesus as their Lord and Savior are easily persecuted. In coastal India, Jay Anth planted a church in a village with no Christians and today more than half of that village follows Christ, but it did not come easy. His house was burned down twice, his wife was assaulted, and many in the church have been threatened with death, but they're not praying for an end to their suffering. They're praying for Bibles to endure and persevere. We're halfway to our goal to send God's Word to 16,000 bible persecuted believers, and we need to wrap up in a week. So at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20. Will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Todd Richardson, Acting Assistant Secretary in the Office of Policy Development and Research. His office is responsible for maintaining current information on housing needs, market conditions, and existing programs. Proverbs 18.15 reminds us of the importance of acquiring knowledge. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Todd Richardson in his role at the Department of Housing and Urban Development. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country, and we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. When deciding where to pursue your career goals, you want a university that you can trust that offers a world-class education with the values, knowledge, and skills you need to succeed. That place is Liberty University, and now is the perfect time to start. Liberty is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ, a mission that has not wavered since it opened in 1971. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. If you plan on doing any shopping at Bed Bath & Beyond, be sure to wear loose-fitted clothing and bring a funeral home fan. There are reports Bed Bath & Beyond is cutting back on the A.C., not cutting it off completely, just adjusting. Part of a big penny-pitching plan, Bed Bath & Beyond is facing severe financial hardships in the wake of very public attacks on conservatives like Mike Lindell, the founder of MyPillow. The company's woke leadership pulled MyPillows from all their stores because of Lindell's support for President Trump. Now Bed Bath & Beyond is chopping employee hours, shortening store hours. Management blames supply chain issues, but sales have plummeted by 22%. No doubt Bed Bath & Beyond executives are having some mighty sleepless nights these days, in part because they don't sell MyPillows. Be sure to get a copy of my latest book, Culture Jihad. It's available right now at ToddStearns.com. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Good morning, America. I'm Jay Christian Adams in for Sandy Rios. It's great to be with you again today. I was with you yesterday, and I owe you all a great big apology. Because yesterday we talked about the Cassidy Hutchinson testimony, and I failed to notice and inform you, the listening audience, that everything she testified about was hearsay. She didn't see it. She wasn't there. Some people call hearsay gossip. In other words, you heard about it, but see, we don't really rely on hearsay the same way as we do from firsthand witnesses, because if you've ever played the game of telephone, you know how this works. Somebody says something and tells someone, and the story changes. The truth gets lost. And that's the real frightening thing about the Cassidy Hutchison story. want to hear from you at one 888 589-8840. Deborah, you're in Florida. Good morning. What do you have to Good say, morning. Deborah? Well, it's funny. I'm just reading an um, article from Newsmax, and I'm wondering, is she related to Asa Hutchinson or Tim Hutchinson? Because Asa Hutchinson is running for, uh, he's, he's a never-Trumper, 
and he's also a candidate for the Republican Party in 24, but he is stepping down, and he will be launching a nationwide speaking tour next year, and I believe that Hogan and Toomey are supposed to be along with this. And this is um, Newsmax. Right, and I don't know the answer, but I don't think so. This uh, Cassidy Hutchinson, uh, uh, I have asked around, uh, where did she come from? And what we know is that she graduated from Christopher Newport University in Virginia, and she started out as like an intern. Like she went through the White House intern program. And, you know, I got to tell you guys, you've heard this from me before. There's a whole species of swamp creature that is interested in long-term government jobs, access. And one of the species of swamp creature are the kind of people that place the greatest priority on work, right? In other words, their career status. They worry about their next job more than all the other things in life that are valuable. Here's the Washington Times. She was known as an incredibly hard and loyal worker, arriving as early as 6 a.m. and often staying until midnight. She flew all over the country on Air Force One with the president. Now, notice the part of 6 a.m. to midnight. That's another characteristic of swamp creatures, is they tend to place priority on status, on money, and not on valuable things like home life, hobbies, you know, affairs at church, whatever. It is a a, a very now when you're young, it's easier to do that. Don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of swamp creatures who do this through their 40s and 50s. Like the most important thing is their GS title or their access or what law firm they work at. Okay. And Cassie Hutchinson, as far as we know, as far as we know, was not related to Asa Hutchinson. But the people who worked in White House personnel that I've talked to don't know who she is, had some pretty rough things to say about the decision to bring her in. But let's all agree she was out of her league, right? 25-year-old, brought up before a J6 committee to testify about the president, lunging at the steering wheel of the presidential limousine from 15 feet away. Oh, no, wait. She didn't see that. I'm sorry. She heard that. She heard that. Why don't we hear from MSNBC that this was hearsay? I tuned in last night. I was shocked to see that MSNBC actually has Peter Strzok on, like a guy who many things should be in prison, the former FBI employee who cooked up the whole uh, uh, Get Trump campaign. He's now on, now on a MSNBC. I guess he's gone to the mothership, right? He's gone to the mothership. So... Anyhow, Cassie Hutchinson, don't think that she is related to Asa Hutchinson. I might be wrong. I might be wrong about that. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll learn much more about this, I'm sure, in the coming days, because Cassie Hutchinson is now Frederick Douglass and Rosa Parks. She's now a great hero. Don't worry. They'll eventually remember that she worked for Trump, and they'll crumple her up and throw her out. She, just, she hasn't realized that yet. And we'll get more into her her lawyer in the next segment. Steve, you're in Iowa. Good morning, Steve. What do you have to say? Good morning, sir. Uh, I would like to have you cut to the chase and explain the basic factor that is going on, that the Chinese have one goal to depress our GNP and increase there. You were talking about coal. That's a primary concept behind all of this of trying to Knocked on our GNP. Right. And, and Steve, you brought up an important point that I think everybody needs to hear. Uh, and that is the role of foreign governments in this. Foreign governments. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little story about a foundation that's based in Bermuda. Okay. This foundation was based in Bermuda. And it funneled tens of millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars, into, into anti-coal and anti-fracking efforts. So here's how it works. A foundation gets set up in Bermuda. And I'm going to save the punchline on this one for you. Just, just bear with me. 
And this foundation called Sea Change Foundation, Sea Change, funnels millions of dollars into the anti-fracking movement. Groups like the Sierra Club, the Natural Resources Defense Council, other environmental organizations, you know, you see them when you drive around like with panda bears on people's bumper stickers, those types of groups. So this organization in Bermuda pumps all this money into the American political system to attack coal, oil, and fracking. Well, then we discover, here comes the punchline, guess who is funding Sea Change Foundation? Yep, someone out there got it, I can tell. Russian oligarchs close to Putin. Russian oligarchs. Russian gas and oil interests. These are people who develop gas and oil in Russia are funding the Sierra Club in the United States. No, this is not a conspiracy theory. Go Google Sea Change Foundation, Russian oil, and you can read multiple, multiple different credible news stories about this. Now, I would submit to you that this is not the only example of that business model at play where foreign or sovereign money from foreign countries is moving through foundations into the United States to fund left-wing organizations. That, there's no chance that this is the only one. Why wouldn't they do this? It's working. It's working. A whole bunch of brain-dead robots in Hollywood think coal is bad. Little zealots are running around calling for the end of fossil fuels because guess what? America has so many fossil fuels. We have more than the rest of the world. We can create a standard of living unparalleled in human history because we have so many fossil fuels. That means food is cheaper. There's no famine. People live longer. They're healthier. They don't have to dig ditches all day. In other words, we live better because we have fossil fuel. But that's a bad thing to Russian oil companies and environmental zealots who are funded by foreign governments. So I think you're onto something there, that this is a across-the-board attack on America. Lois, you're in Texas. Good morning. What do you have to say? Good morning, Lois. Going once. Okay, no Lois there. So understand that that's why we have this fight coming in the Supreme Court. You guys are going to be all primed and ready to understand this opinion when it comes out at any moment. So good morning, Bruce. You're in Oklahoma. What do you have to say? My biggest question is uh, how long would it take us to realize that, you know, Adam Schiff's major... Uh, bombshells always tend to be a hearsay operative working inside of our government, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, the ironic thing about that is the other big bombshell, the Russian collusion, was all hearsay, too, because it was a dossier that was cooked up by President Trump's political opponents. It was a fake document, the details of which I have avoided getting into when I guest host for Sandy, but many of you know what they are. They're preposterous. But it's a fake document that was cooked up to damage the president. Oh, and Peter Strzok, our good old friend on MSNBC back at the mothership, uh, was close to that project, wasn't he? So, look, this is an, it really boils down to this, folks. All of it can be summed up in a simple observation that the the government and the elites have gotten so big and powerful, focused largely in Washington, D.C., but elsewhere, and Trump was a challenge to their status. Trump was a challenge to their status because he represented you. He represented the people who don't have lobbyists, who don't have PhDs from Harvard, who don't have law degrees from pinhead law schools. He represented you. And the people in Washington, D.C. who issued the edicts didn't like that. They didn't like that. 
And so they counterattacked like antibodies. They counterattacked him every way they could. I saw it firsthand when President Trump appointed me to the Presidential Advisory Commission on Election Integrity, and all we wanted to do was look at voter rolls, something later the Public Interest Legal Foundation did on their own. When all we wanted to do was look at voter rolls, they went wild and they filed 12 lawsuits to slow us down. Eventually, somebody at the White House just threw in the towel and said enough is enough. But the point is, the, they, Trump was an antibody. He was attacked. As soon as he came to Washington, D.C., the administrative state went berserk. The law firms that represent all of these woke institutions who are on the grift. Oh, and there's lots of them, guys. These woke institutions on the grift because they get federal money to further transform the country. Federal money, I'm talking millions in grants to make things worse from your perspective. They suddenly were being threatened. So you need to understand that explains almost everything. It's one of the Christian Adams axioms that the threat to the administrative state by President Trump explained much of what happened. So that's one of the reasons why we have to uh, put him in his coffin and nail it shut so he can't rise again. That's what the J6 committee is all about. Make no mistake about it. This is an effort to ensure that you lose your voice. That the, the rare politician that represents regular Americans is too afraid to rise up. And we need to get another insider. That's what the J6 committee is all about. Temple, you're in Virginia. Good morning. What do you have to say? Good morning. Actually, I have a question and a comment. So my first comment is they touted this big uh, bombshell but I'm still waiting for the bombshell. I didn't know that being ill-tempered in the back of your limo was illegal, immoral, unethical, or a high crime or misdemeanor. So I find that to be yes. Kind of he threw funny. ketchup. Did you did you hear that part? He he threw ketchup. And, Go and ahead. It's still not a high crime or misdemeanor, which is funny. So the worst you could say is that he was ill-tempered on January 6th. Okay. I, I, again, I don't know where they're going with that. My question is, and shifting gears. With the Supreme Court uh, decision coming down, is this going to tailor back, do you think, executive powers? Because the uh, Biden administration right now is completely ignoring uh, the constitutional duties of securing the border, yet they push uh, their edicts, as you, you put it, um, as law, the, president, the presidential uh, executive orders as law. So they they confuse what actual law is compared to how you run the government through the executive branch. So I'm confused on on how when that transition happened and what this uh, Supreme Court decision is going to do regarding that. Right. Okay. Just to recap, Supreme Court decision is coming at any moment involving the power of the federal government to effectively ban coal. Okay, and it's a challenge by West Virginia to the EPA. And basically, West Virginia is saying you need to pass a law if you're going to do this, not just issue an edict. And the Supreme Court is getting ready to decide this. And it's not just about coal, folks. It's about the power of Washington, D.C. generally. And your question, Temple, is how does this affect other things? Well, it's a little bit harder to affect immigration. It's not impossible, but it will affect all sorts of other things, such as Obamacare, health care. Uh, agriculture. I mean, I could go down the list of federal agencies and one way or another it plays a role because the question is who should write the rules in America, bureaucrats or lawmakers that we elect? And so it's going to permeate across the federal government. That's why it's so profound. I'm telling you, it's one of the most important decisions that will happen in the last, I would say, 20 or 30 years, if not longer. So pay close attention to that. So, I'm Jay Christian Adams. You're listening to American Family Radio. I'm guest hosting today for Sandy Rios. Thank you very much, Sandy, for having me. We want to talk about Cassidy Hutchison next segment and her lawyers. Why is it that we're hearing so much from her lawyers in the news? What's their story? We'll be back after this with more of your calls at 1 888 589 8840. You're listening to American Family Radio.
do life the way the owner's manual tells you to do life, you will be glad you read the manual because it will save you from so much grief and so much heartache and give you such joy as you walk with the Lord. Dr. David Jeremiah continues his series, The Word, next time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. Amy Carmichael was a missionary in India, rescuing little girls from abuse. In her 50-plus years of ministry, she witnessed the transforming power of the Bible. Sorrowful people are comforted. People who were in the dark walk in the light. Is it not wonderful to think that this book is in our hands today? Bert Harper and Alex McFarlane explore the wonders of the Bible weekday afternoons at 3 Central on American Family Radio. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The American Republic was founded on the principle that rights are given to us by God, not men. As a result, men nor government can take them away. That's why our Declaration of Independence refers to our rights as inalienable rights. Government's role, then, is to protect the rights that God has given to us. The first freedom listed in the Bill of Rights, which government is entrusted to protect, is religious liberty. The founders did this because they knew that free exercise of religion is the fulcrum for all liberty. Wherever the flame of religious liberty is extinguished, all liberty is imperiled. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Jericho, Nazareth, the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River, all these places you've heard about your whole life. You've read about them in the Bible. Well, guess what? We're going to go see them. That's right. March 2023, we're going to go to the Holy Land. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, my dad started taking tours to Israel as a Methodist pastor in the late 60s, and then he taught me how to lead tour groups and I started helping him in the 80s and then he stopped doing them in the 90s and then my wife and I have been doing them ever since. So we have a lot of experience traveling to Israel and we would love for you to come with us in March 2023. The itinerary, the cost, everything about the tour is available at twholyland.com. Just go to the website right now, twholyland.com for all the information on the March 2023 trip to Israel. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. When you get a questionable diagnosis of a problem, particularly one with potential life and death repercussions, it's a good idea to get a second opinion. Rarely has that been more true than with respect to the Chinese Communist Party's unrestricted warfare against America. Fortunately, a team of distinguished national security professionals sponsored by our Center for Security Policy is today disputing the U.S. government's party line on the virus that triggered the COVID-19 pandemic. This Team B3 found that coronavirus likely came from a Chinese biological weapons laboratory, and the CCP's deliberate efforts to spread it outside China mean the resulting pandemic was a biological attack. As such, it fits the party's long-standing doctrine, plans, and growing capabilities for such asymmetric and truly unrestricted warfare against us. Catch the team's important webinar at 1 p.m. Eastern Time today by registering at presentdangerchina.org. This is Frank Afney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Good morning, everybody. I'm Jay Christian Adams. I'm in for Sandy Rios today. Thank you very much, Sandy. We've been talking about the J6 committee and the so-called blockbuster testimony of Cassidy Hutchinson. Turns out the testimony she gave was all hearsay, which is something I didn't realize yesterday. She wasn't actually there for the effort to steer the limousine up Constitution Avenue or any of those other things. She just heard about it. But I want to talk about the role of the deep state in all of this and how they view themselves as defenders of anti-Republicanism. And I'll submit to you one of the reasons we are having this political theater taking place 
actually many of the reasons are something you see when you drive around. I'd like you to think about associating the theater taking place in Washington with something you see every time you leave the house and drive around, and that is the price of gas. When you have gasoline at five and six, and in some places even higher, towards seven dollars a gallon, you have an incendiary political situation in the United States. You have people suffering. You have people having a hard time filling up the tank, getting to work, and paying their bills. And so you need a little distraction. You need a little bit of diversion away from people's misery. Now, I'd raise the question, who does this affect? Who cares about Cassidy Hutchison's testimony? Well, let's inventory that. The New York Times definitely cares. The Never Trumpers definitely care. Liz Cheney cares. The progressive base, the people filled with hatred of Christian evangelicals, they care, the ones who hate you. The people who shrieked and screamed and wailed and gnashed their teeth about the Dobbs decision, they care. They care about the J6 hearings. But I would raise the question, does America care? Does real America care? Regular, mainstream, middle-of-the-road Americans? And I would submit to you the answer is not even close. It's no. Because they're paying $6 a gallon gas. They're watching food prices move every time they go to the grocery store. They're watching people pushing a baby stroller in New York City have someone come up and put a 9 millimeter in the rear and pull the trigger. That's what's happening in America in 2022. It's a lot like, if not worse, than the 1970s. Oh, so that kind of reminds me. The political discourse in the 1970s seemed to sound a little similar. So here we have Cassidy Hutchinson. I want to talk about our lawyer, Jody Hunt. We mentioned him yesterday. I knew Jody Hunt when we were both at the Justice Department. Jody Hunt is one of these Washington creatures that has a chameleon skin. During a Republican administration, Jody is a Republican. During a Democrat administration, Jody does what the Democrats want. That's called serving the institution, the institution of government. Now, there are people out there who think government institutions, by and large, are good things. There are people out there and throughout history, like our founding fathers, who knew the opposite was true. They knew the government is a necessary evil, emphasis on evil. Their words, not mine, right-wing watch. And so there are people all in Washington, D.C. who venerate government institutions. And Jody Hunt is Cassie Hutchison's lawyer. And what's peculiar about this is Jody works at a great big giant expensive law firm. Now, there's three possibilities for Cassidy about who's paying the bills. Let's go through them. Number one, Cassidy Hutchison, the unemployed 25-year-old, is paying the bills. Okay, maybe so. Maybe she won a lotto hit. Maybe she has parents who are paying the bills. Well, actually, that's, that's under option two, so that, that can't be option one. So option one is Cassidy's paying the bills. Cassidy worked as an intern, recent graduate of Christopher Newport University, was an intern for Ted Cruz and the White House, and I think maybe Steve Scalise, House member. And so option one is Cassidy's paying her own bills to Alston and Byrd, big, giant, expensive law firm. Let's, let's move on to option two. Option two is somebody else is paying the bills. Is it maybe Sea Change Foundation? I don't, I'm kidding, just to be clear. But somebody else is paying the bills is option two. Maybe your parents. Maybe an uncle or an aunt. 
or maybe, just maybe, an organization or other benefactor for which the left seems to have utterly no limits in finding. Now, by the way, this is all just speculation. I'm not saying this is happening. I'm raising questions. These are legitimate questions. When we have somebody trotted out in front of the American people as an authority on something the president did, even though it's hearsay, we have the right to ask the questions, who's paying for her lawyer, Jody Hunt? So option two is somebody else. And I think that somebody ought to ask the question, who's paying your invariably very, very big legal bills? Well, maybe there are no legal bills. Okay, that takes us to option three. Jody Hunt and Alston and Bird are doing it for free. Jody Hunt and Alston Bird are representing Cassidy Hutchison for free. That is the third option. Remember, we only have three possibilities. Cassidy's paying her own legal bills. Someone else is paying Cassidy's legal bills. Or she's not getting any legal bills. And Alston and Bird and Jody Hunt are doing it for free. Now, I don't know which one of those three it is. But if it's options two and three, it raises some serious questions. Serious questions about, number one, her testimony's accuracy, and number two, the larger manipulation taking place. And I would wager, if I had to handicap, that most likely is option two. Someone else is paying. Second most likely is Jody Hunt is not charging her, which is option three. And first choice is probably the last least likely, and that's that she's paying her own bills. Because when I was 25 years old, I wasn't paying Alston and Bird legal bills. (laughs) That was not going to happen. The car payment was a struggle. The grocery store is a struggle. Alston and Bird was not on the list of possibilities. So I'm going to go with options three or two. So let's talk about option three, and that is that Jody Hunt at this big giant law firm is representing Cassie Hutchison for free. Now let's talk a bit more about Jody Hunt. He's in my book. Injustice, if you want to read more about him and his role in the dismissal of the new Black Panther case. And he ran something called Federal Programs Branch, which is sort of like the ultimate swamp uh, unit at the Justice Department. Like you run all the swamp stuff. So then during the Obama administration, Jody seemed to survive. Now that's really curious because they were really, really good at running people off. I watched it firsthand at the Justice Department. If you were even the slightest bit conservative, you got run off. And I could name the names. And those of you who did it know who I'm talking about. So he survives the Obama administration for eight years. And then Trump gets elected. And Jeff Sessions picks Jody Hunt as his chief of staff. Now, I love Jeff Sessions. You guys know that. I think he's a fantastic attorney general, great man. I know a lot of you will disagree and shake your head and moan and groan. But I'm going to stand up for Jeff Sessions as long as Jeff Sessions and I are around. But one of the huge, giant mistakes Jeff Sessions made was picking Jody Hunt to do anything. He made Jody Hunt the chief of staff of the Department of Justice. And guess what happens next? Jody recommends appointing Robert Mueller to do the independent investigation of the phony Russiagate. Jody is responsible for that more than almost anybody else. The single thing that started to unravel the Trump administration and the presidency, Jody Hunt's signature was on. Now, I know this might be way inside baseball, but you aren't going to get this anywhere else because you aren't going to have many talk show hosts who were at the Justice Department at the time like I was. So I just want you all to think about this and connect the dots. Because the man who was responsible for launching the Mueller investigation more than anybody else, in my opinion, is now the lawyer representing this blockbuster witness against President Trump. Has anybody made that connection you've seen? No, I don't think so. You're hearing it first, J. Christian Adams subbing for Sandy Rios on American Family Radio. No, I just want to know who's paying her bills because it'll answer a lot of questions about what her testimony is really designed to do. 
Marta, you're in Iowa. Good morning. What do you have to say? Thank you so much, Mr. Adams. Uh, I appreciate everything you're doing there. Um, my big question is, why are we not using the word treasonous act? Like, whether it's in the border and we're seeing the her, the horrible things that are going on at our border, whether it's our oil, these are things that are trying to destroy our Constitution, which I've always understood was a treasonous act. And we see what's going on with the Supreme Court. And I recognize that there are a lot of people who do not know what the history of America is all about. And it was a blowtorch for the gospel of Jesus Christ is how this nation started. And there are a lot of people who would rather bite the hand of the God that has given them everything they have. And I just don't understand why we're not using the terminology of treason in almost every one of these issues that we talk about. It, it's bewildering to me. Right. Well, first of all, let me address your blowtorch thing. I, I think that's an interesting observation. I like to say that there has never been a country on earth that has allowed the free will of man to flourish and people to make decisions regarding the relationship with the transcendent like the United States. There's always been oppression elsewhere, pretty much. I mean, yes, in varying degrees, of course. But the United States was the first country where true free will was allowed to flourish. And, you know, it led to uh, more people being able to freely exercise religion in untold numbers. So I agree with your blowtorch analogy. Okay, so treason. Why don't we talk more about treason? The founders knew that the word treason was incendiary, and they saw the, the, the concept of treason being used in England throughout the 1500s, the 1600s, uh, particularly in the 1600s, where, where a king found out the hard way that treason can cause a separation between your body and your head, referring, of course, to Charles. And so the founders knew that the word treason was highly charged. And so they put into the Constitution directly, by the way, directly, that treason requires an act, an actual act. And I don't think the founders would have included among the word act inaction. In other words, you aren't enforcing the law, right? I think the word treason to the founders, they saw it abused over the previous three or 400 years. If, if you, I mean, think about it. Think about the women who, who went to the block. The women who went to the block, the wives of Henry VIII, who went to the block and had their head cut off because they looked at a paramour inappropriately, and that was treason to the king, okay? So there's a whole history here of the use of the word treason that limits its modern-day utility for good, I might add. So these are all great questions. It's been great visiting with you this morning. I love subbing for Sandy Rios. You can follow me on Twitter at Election Law CTR, Election Law Center. I'm Jay Christian Adams. I'm president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. You can go find more information about election integrity there. It's been great being with you. We'll catch you next time on American Family Radio. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.